Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. Spoken from God to us, asking us that question. God asking you and me, do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? I believe he wants to reveal things to us and help us to see things from his perspective. And uh, th- does that sound good to you? So let's be ready for that. We're going to read the first nine verses of the Gospel of John. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the revelation of who you are through these nine verses in John's gospel. And Lord, I pray that you'll speak to every heart here and that we will walk away with an increased vision of who you are and the majesty of who you are and the ability that we have in you as, Lord, you bring light into our lives. Help us to see clearly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Good. How many like to drive around and look at the Christmas lights? Anybody likes to do that kind of stuff? Yeah? Uh, we, we used to love to do that, especially when Rhonda and I were younger and when we were dating or when our kids were little. I don't think we do that much anymore. Um, uh, but back in 1978, I was going to a church on the way. Pastor Jack Hayford was preaching about the name of Jesus. It was around Christmas time. And he, he came out and he said, he, he, I don't know if he just thought of it on the spot or it was something that he was in the habit of doing, but he said, you know, every time we see Christmas lights during the Christmas season, we should just speak the name of Jesus. Because he was talking about how powerful and how wonderful the name of Jesus was. And so, so that was, I thought that was a pretty cool idea. Well, between the time he preached that and then the following Christmas, Rhonda and I uh, began a relationship. We were dating. And I, I just uh, came up with a new idea. Instead of saying Jesus, I said, hey, every time we see Christmas lights, let's kiss. Just saying. So um, later in life, when I had children of my own and they were starting to get into their teen years, I decided that I don't believe that young people should kiss until they're married. So, uh, <laughs> but when our oldest son Andrew was a little boy and we were driving through town and we would look at the Christmas lights and so we would say Christmas lights and we'd kiss. And then he would get all excited, and, you know, it was really a big thing. And then, uh, but he thought we were saying Kissmas lights. And so, so we, start, we renamed them to Kissmas lights, and we started calling them that. And, uh, and so, but, but, but I want to talk to you today about light, and I want to talk to you about a different kind of light, really, than what we see a lot of times. But how there's a relationship between what we would call physical light and the light that's being described in the verses that we just read. And my title today, again, is Do You See What I See? Or, or a subtitle might be Do You See Clearly? Now, stop me if you've heard this one. Actually, don't. I, <laughs> I love telling this story. <laughs> so, that, yeah, Rhonda's heard it for sure. But um, 
But there's this guy, and uh, he's totally enamored and in love with a very beautiful girl named Lorraine, and, and he liked her a lot. And then one day he went to work, and a new girl started working where he worked, and uh, he, 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 was, he was just smitten with this girl. Her name was Clearly. And so he, uh, he was, she was absolutely gorgeous. She was just his type. And, and he became very smitten, but at the same time, he thought he re- needed to remain loyal to Lorraine. He thought it wouldn't be right for him to make any advances towards Clearly at all. So even though that she was obviously interested in him too, and so he was just really in a tumult, trying to figure out what to do, going back and forth, trying to decide uh, what he, if he should break up with Lorraine. But he couldn't bring himself to do it. And he planned several times to tell Lorraine that he was going to break up with her, but he couldn't do it. One day he went for a walk with Lorraine, and they were walking along a riverbank, and she got caught in some slippery mud and slipped into the river. And he went running into the water after her, but she was swept away too quickly. And very sadly, she drowned, even though he tried to save her. And he stopped for a moment, drenched wet by the river, and a tear kind of came from his eye a little bit, and then he started to sing. I can see clearly now Lorraine is gone. That's a great story. That's why I said don't stop me. I love that story even though you don't. Okay. But unless we're blind, all right, unless we're blind, we all can see with our physical eyes. But even people who are physically blind could say the words, oh, I see. Catch what I'm saying? And and, and so physical light is not needed for the kind of seeing that I want to talk to us about today. However, there are some properties about physical light that may help us understand the kinds of things that we need to see clearly. So give me just a moment. It's going to be a rather lengthy introduction, four quick points, and then uh, we'll wrap it all up here. But But John starts out with this story in this passage, and he starts with these incredible words, and he says, in the beginning. Now, now right off the bat, what do we immediately think of? Right? The very beginning of the Bible, right? Where it says the very exact same words. And I I know with, with a certainty John meant for us to catch that connection there. That he is connecting the first words of Genesis now with the first words of his gospel or his good news about Jesus Christ. And so he is connecting the dots. And so he says, in the beginning was the word, and he begins to talk about the word, and then he begins to describe the light. He says the light overcomes the darkness. John came to be a witness to that light, but he wasn't the light that would come. The light was to come later, and on he goes to talking about light. But, but we go back to the book of Genesis, and he says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Remember all that. But what are the very first recorded words of God in the Bible? Do you know? Let there be light. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever thought about that before? Have you ever thought, now, why, why that, of all things, would God say first? I mean, we're used to it now, so we just skim right over it. We read through it. We don't think much about it. But, but, but you think about the first recorded word. Well, the first thing he could have said in the word of God that we would have ever heard. And I thought to myself, what, you know, maybe he would have given some announcement about his intentions. I'm going to create a universe right now, right? That would seem real, realistic or, or wise. And, and, or maybe some indication about his passion to create human beings, which, which mind-bogglingly uh, become the pinnacle of his creation. The very peak of everything he created was us. And, and that's because he can, be, he can live inside of us and we can have a relationship with him. So of all the wonderful and mystical and marvelous things he created, you and I are the peak of that all. Amazing as that is, he doesn't even mention that. 
And then, or he, he doesn't even give any kind of uh, revelation about his own nature or his qualifications as God just to set the whole thing up. Like, I am that I am. He could have started with that and then started making light and things like that. So, but he starts with these words, let there be light. Now, here, I, want, I hope you'll go with me on this, and I, I think I can get us to a place where we can get some understanding about this. But I don't think we should think about this light as like a bulb being turned on by some switch. And in fact, we know that the things that we think of that create light in our lives, like the sun, the moon, and the stars, they aren't created till the fourth day. Isn't that right? So God's talking about something else happening in this moment where light comes forth. And uh, there's more to it than, than meets the eye here. There's something more going on. And, uh, it, and I believe, this is what I believe. I believe what is happening in this moment is an absolute revelation of God's nature and who He is even before He reveals His intention to save mankind through, uh, uh, through, that hadn't even been created yet. God is already declaring who He is by saying, let there be light. And we find that through the Bible and in the New Testament, we find that, that the Father is called the Father of heavenly lights, in whom there's no shifting of shadows, right? And then in James 1.17, it says every good and perfect gift comes from Him. Later, uh, we talk about Jesus, and, and John will later in the Gospel of John call Jesus the light of the world. And, and, or Jesus calls Himself that. He says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So, so here's what I, I believe is happening in, in Genesis 1-3. God is not creating light itself, but he is allowing something of who he is to be revealed before anything else happens in all of creation. Yeah. One way to translate it, as I did some study on this, would be to say, God said that the light should appear. See, it already existed, right? If we're talking about God and His nature and who He is, if He's the Father of lights, if Jesus is the light of the world, then, you know, I'm the light, Jesus said. Then when, when God said, let there be light, what he's, he's not creating Himself or creating Jesus. What He's doing in that moment is revealing Himself to the universe, to the created universe. Because it starts out, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's all out there. Then let there be light. Revelation time. Okay. So, so then that may have multiple ramifications to it, but I just wanted to give us a little bit of a thought about that. Let me, let, this is going to be a really lengthy introduction, but the points will be fairly short. Uh, physical light, now I'm, I'm kind of shifting back over to physical light, talk about it for a minute, because it's very interesting when you study scientifically light. It, it, it is an, a very interesting thing. It, it can be reflected off of things. It can bend as it passes through things. It, uh, it's a wave but it's made up of particles called photons, but those photons have no resting mass. So, so we, we're used to things like we think mass is uh, not the same as weight, but it has substance to it. So it, but it has absolutely no mass to it, and nevertheless it exists as a, as a, a physical property. And it's the, so these photons, and uh, it, it, it travels, this is one of the most remarkable things, is how fast it travels uh, from our perspective. It's 186,000 miles per second. I know you learned that in school and loved it. But, um, but what's wonderful about that is the fact that a beam of light shot, if you could bend it around the earth and, and let it keep going, it would travel around the earth seven times in one second, over seven times it would circle the earth. 
And that's why you and I can get on a cell phone and talk to somebody across the world because uh, radio waves are basically electromagnetic waves that travel at the same speed. And so when we're on a cell phone, it's bouncing off of satellites in space and going to different towers and all over the world connecting how, how many different connections. And if there's ever a delay, it's not because uh, a problem of the distance and light traveling, it's because latency in computers sometimes slow things down as it's being transmitted. So, so from our perspective, it's pretty much instantaneous to talk to someone completely on the other side of the world because of how fast light travels. And in fact, it takes only one and a half seconds for a beam of light. If you shot a laser beam at the moon right now, it would only take one and a half seconds to go 248,000 miles. But it takes, listen to this distance, from the sun, if the sun were to stop shining right at this moment, it would take eight minutes before we would know that because it takes eight minutes for light to travel from the sun to our planet. And then if you go, where is the next star away from us? When you look up at the stars at night, at that speed, it takes four years, over four years, to reach the nearest star at 186,000 miles per second. That tells you the vast distances. And we're talking about a universe that as scientists study is, uh, they believe, 14 and a half billion years distant from us in places. It might even be bigger than that. But that means 14 and a half billion light years. With light traveling that fast, we can still see objects that were shining 14 and a half billion years ago. I know some of you are going, what about the creation? No, no, just... If God, I, don't, I don't want to get into all that, but, but just bear with me that that's what we perceive and that's what we see at this point. And it's not really uh, pertaining to the conversation at this point, whether or not the earth is old or young. Okay? You with me? Um, but ask me later and I'll tell you what I think. Okay. Uh, so, so, so here, let me, uh, I've got a couple more things to say about this. Here's the thing, because, and this is what Einstein began to discover. There's this connection between uh, matter and energy and the speed of light. Isn't that interesting that light is connected to matter and energy in such an interesting way like that? And even though they call it a theory, it's basically been proven. And so what happens is, is this, as matter, physical matter, let's say a spaceship or us or something, we're traveling at 86% of the speed of light, we would become twice as heavy. I'd like to figure out how to go less than that and see if I could lose a few pounds. But, but nevertheless, we would become twice as heavy but, and a 12-inch ruler accelerated to the speed of light would reduce down to 6 inches in length. So you see everything's beginning to change as you get closer to the speed of light. Only light can travel at the speed of light. Other things will be changed dramatically. And if you reach the speed of light, that 12-inch ruler would sink down to an infinitely uh, short span where there'd be no, no depth to it at all, and yet it would be infinitely heavy at the same time. It would weigh more than everything in the entire universe. Does that freak you out a little bit? These are the properties of light that God created. And, uh, and so, and my wife loves it when I talk like this. This is like, this is the best. You know, we just sit in the house and I just tell her all my, my little thoughts about stuff. She, mm. But listen, as amazing as light is in what we just described, God created that. And in many ways, I believe it's a reflection of the nature of the real light, of who God is. I mean, when you start talking about things that are infinite, and in a place where, oh, and the other thing I forgot to mention is what, that on that, if you could have a clock on that ruler that was, was infinitely short and infinitely massive, time would stop at that moment. Time would cease. 
Isn't that just crazy? But when we start talking about something that's infinite and where time ceases or time is no more, I know a place where we're going to go to a place where there's time no more. Are you getting what I'm saying here? And we're talking about a connection between a physical property of light and our God and how infinite He is and the place we're going to live forever because we're going to a place where there'll never be darkness again, where the light of the Lamb will shine forever and ever, and that we're going to live in the light of God forever and ever. And there's some infinite kinds of things going to be taking place, and it's all connected and it's all joined together in incredible ways. I love this stuff, even if you don't, so just go with me. Now, all that stuff about light and everything, John, when he, he didn't know any of that when he wrote the gospel 2,000 years ago. He only wrote what he was led of the Holy Spirit to write. So what's the point? If God is light, then we see aspects of God that are demonstrated in the way light works. I believe that. So I'm going to cover four things again very quickly. Here we go. Now let me tell you ahead of time what they are. The light overcomes the darkness. It shows us the way. It reveals things that are hidden and lost. And it brings comfort and hope. So let's look at the first thing. The, and, and so do you see what I see when, when it comes to overcoming the darkness? There's our first point. Uh, that light overcomes darkness. That makes sense, doesn't it? Back, when, back in the 90s, I think it was the late 90s, Ron and I took our boys down to southern Oregon. And if you ever get a chance to do this, the Oregon Caves. Anybody been to the Oregon Caves before? Man, that's a, that's a cool place to go. And so we took our boys on this tour. And there's one point when you go, you go way, way down deep into a cave, and they have a door that they close, and another door closes, and they have lights in there. And, they, and he says, and they put handrails there, and everybody holds onto a handrail. He says, make sure you hang on. And he says, okay, and I'm going to flick off the light, and you're going to be in uh, as close to, to perfect darkness as you'll ever be in your entire life. It's so dark down in there. They got seals on the doors and all this stuff. And so he, he flicks off the switch, and and it's, it is a weird kind of darkness. It's almost like you can feel it. It's, it's, it's like your, your eyes are just, you can feel your eyes just kind of trying to focus back and forth, find any point of light. And this goes on for a couple of seconds, and I'm like, I'm just looking around this room, and it felt like you were looking into thick velvet in front of your eyes. That's what it kind of felt like to me. But all of a sudden, in the midst of all of that, I began to see this bluish little, little light off to my right. It was just this kind of blue light that kept flashing on and off. And I, I thought, God, are you trying to speak to me in this perfect darkness? What's going on? And then I, I just kept kind of trying to figure out, what's that blue light, you know? I, didn't, I wasn't aware that anybody else had seen this, and I thought something really cool was happening. And then I turned my head to the right. I looked at my son, Andrew, and he's got this Indiglo watch, and he's going like this. He's pushing the button and watching the little light come on. I just make it. What's wrong with you? Anyway, but it's, isn't it interesting how the tiniest little bit of light will make darkness flee? It doesn't take much. Verse 5 that we read earlier said, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it. But the word in the context means it, it, it can't gain control or overcome it. The darkness can't get control or overcome the light. You can, listen, you can turn on a light switch, but you can't turn on a dark switch. You can't put a dark switch on the wall, go turn it on, and, and force light out of the room. You see the difference? And that's important for us to understand about God, because God always overcomes. He always overcomes. And in the NLT, the same verse, it says, The light shines through the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Never! So what does that mean for you and me? What's the bottom line? We win. At the end of it all, we win. We might go through dark struggles and dark times in our lives, but we belong to the light. 
We're even called children of light. And we win. We overcome at the end of it all, even though we feel like we walk through some dark times in our lives. The darkness we're talking about is spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness is represented by all kinds of sin and wickedness over the planet. But, but just as physical light is dispelled by, uh, or physical darkness is dispelled by physical light, so spiritual darkness is dispelled by spiritual light. When you bring the light of God and the light of His Word into a dark situation in your life, watch as the darkness begins to scatter and go away. Jesus said, I am the... Listen, this is so important for you to hear. He said, I am the light of the world, right? But then He continues and He says, while I am in the world. You think, wait a minute. You understand what I'm about to, where I'm going with this? He says, I'm the light of the world while I'm in the world. Well, when He died on the cross... He went into a tomb for three days. On the third day, he rose from the dead. And then the Bible tells us that he stayed on the planet for another 40 days. And on the 40th day after his death and resurrection, he went to a mountain with his disciples. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And all of a sudden, Jesus lifted up off the earth. He ascended and he went back to be with the Father. A couple of angels said, what are you looking for? Jesus will return in the same way you saw him go. And then, so technically speaking, where's Jesus right now? He's with the Father in heaven. So he's no longer in the world. He says, I'm the light of the world while I'm in the world. So what do we do? He's not in the world anymore. He returned to the Father. He's seated at his right hand. So who's the light of the world now? That's right. But it's still Jesus, okay? But what happens is by his Holy Spirit, the capability of Jesus to live inside of us now. And so, so he actually, Jesus literally says this in Matthew 5.14. Well, it's a very short part of a verse, but Matthew 5.14, Jesus says to us, you are the light of the world. You are. No, I didn't get a good enough response when I said that. Listen, <laughs> you've got to go with me on this. You are the light of the world. Because Jesus is in you. It's still Jesus, but He's doing it through you and me. That means every, it's this, this is the perfect plan of God. Because, listen, while He was the light of the world, He could only shine the light in His physical location. But can I tell you, across this planet, there are over a billion, maybe two billion lights of Jesus bringing the gospel and the glory of God everywhere they go. It's amazing. And so you, Jesus is the light of the world, but because He's in us, Everywhere we go, we are the light of the world as well. So God says to you today, do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Do you see how light overcomes darkness? Do you see it? Are, are we grasping this? Okay. The second thing is, is that light overcomes, or excuse, it overcomes darkness, and it also illuminates the way. Illuminates the way. If you look back at verses 6 and 7, it says that, um, thank you, Carol, for tagging me in a story that just showed up on my iPad there. Just got a little Facebook post at that moment. You're, you're a sweetheart. I love you. That's awesome. It's like, what's going on, man? I'm in the middle of a message. No. <laughs> All right. Illuminates the way. Where was I? All right. Verses 6 and 7. John, God, it says, God sent John the Baptist to tell everybody about the light so that everybody might believe in him because of his testimony. Here, here again, he tells, uh, John is to tell everybody about the light that was to come. And I can testify to you today, and many of you could stand here and testify as well, that, that I lived in darkness until I came to the light. As soon as I knew Christ, I knew I had been rescued from the kingdom of darkness and put into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, who is the light. And Colossians describes this process. On the screen, it says, uh, uh, verses one, or chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, it says, The Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son 
He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Someone once said, some people change their ways when they see the light, others only when they feel the heat. And I say, Lord, if you need to turn up the heat on some people in my life that need it, so be it, right? I'd rather people face a little heat in this life and find the light than people have to face the heat in the world to come. And I mean that very sincerely, no joking way at all. Because I be- just as I believe in a real heaven, I believe in a real hell. Just because we give our hearts to Jesus doesn't mean the devil has given up. Trying to ruin our lives or possibly uh, still take us to hell with him if he possibly could. And, and consider the fact that in all things that Satan could, could come and disguise himself as, the Bible says he masquerades. Of all the things that the devil could masquerade as, do you remember what the Bible says he masquerades as? An angel of light. He's deceiving and deceptive in the way he presents himself. He makes it look like a good story. He tries to make it look like there's light there, but there isn't when you get there. It's deceptive, and it's a masquerade. So we have to be discerning, and that's why we have to know the Bible. We have to know our Bible so we can tell the difference. The Word uh, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, is it not? That's what Psalm 119 tells us. So therefore, when we're wondering, is this a direction I could go? I don't feel right. I'm not discerning it. I'll just check out the Word of God, and it casts a light on it. And I find out, no, that's the devil masquerading. I'm not going to receive that. And rather than leaving us around to, uh, to wander aimlessly, God illuminates our path by showing us where we need to go. We need the light. We need God. So God, illuminate my path. That's a prayer we should pray. Show me the way. Show me how to live illuminate things for me. Reveal things to me that seem hidden. Let me see everything I need to see. Do you agree? So we overcome with light. We also illuminate things that need to be illuminated. And the third thing is this. We reveal what is hidden or lost. How many know making decisions in the dark can sometimes lead to regrettable consequences? (laughs) Before the days of electricity, uh, there was this tight-fisted old farmer who was he was, uh, began to take his hired man to task for carrying a lantern to go visit on his best girl. He w- took a lantern with him. And the, guy, the old farmer said, Why, when I was your age, we never took any newfangled lanterns. We just went and called on our girl. And he said, Yeah, but look what you got. <laughs> Sorry. I like that. Did you? Okay. <laughs> you never know anymore, right? So, but, uh, but terrible mistakes can be made in the dark. You normally don't see young men and women uh, parking and making out in the back of a car on a sunny day, right? Catch what I'm saying. Um, many crimes are committed at night. A lot of stuff, a lot of times go, things go on in the physical night that we experience. In 1 Corinthians 4.5 it says this, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and expose the motives of the heart. At that time each will receive their praise from God. And just as in the physical world, many bad things and mistakes can happen in darkness, so in the spiritual sense, when we're hiding things from God, it, it, it's, um, it's like our lives are like a house, and we have these rooms or closets, and we're saying, Jesus, come on into my life. Yeah, this is great. Don't you like it out here? And Jesus starts to walk for a closet over here. We go, no, 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 Lord Jesus, serious. Like, this, don't go in there. You don't need to look in here. This. And the Lord said, no, I need to look everywhere. And we, are, we ought to have an invitation to the Lord that says, you're welcome in all of my life, every part of my life. You can open every closet, every cupboard door. There's nothing I want to hide, nothing I want to keep uh, hidden from you. Every closet, every attic, every crawl space, nook and cranny of our lives, bring your glorious white-hot light into that and shine on any darkness that happens to be there. 
But, but in the parable of, in Luke 15, Jesus describes a woman who has lost one coin out of ten. It may not seem like much, but you know, to her, this woman, it was one-tenth of everything she owned. One-tenth. And so, so she, she, what, what did she do to try to find the coin? It says she lit a lamp and she looked high and low. She began to look all over. So here it is the light that reveals what is hiding in the darkness. And I want to ask you today, is there something that's lost in your life? Is it finances or a relationship, a hope or a dream? Is it, uh, have you lost your joy or your peace? This woman lost a coin, but, but it would have stayed lost had she not lit a lamp on it. We may need to light a lamp in some areas of our life. Let the Lord reveal some things to areas of our life that need restoration. The Bible even describes people who are not believers as being lost. So this parable of the coin has a connection to people that don't know the Lord. And they're just like that coin. They will stay lost, listen, unless someone, I'm talking to you and me, lights a lamp and reveals the lostness of their lives. And that's what we do by preaching the light, preaching the gospel, being the light of Jesus everywhere we go. We let people know who don't know the Lord that there is light that can be brought into their situation. So the light dispels the darkness, shows the way, reveals hidden and lost things, and finally, light brings joy, comfort, and hope. Do you see what I see? God is saying that to us today. The Bible, or the Bible says that joy comes in the morning. When the light comes, get that? The light's coming in the morning. That's when joy comes. Every day is a new day. Each day, it says, every, God's mercies are new every what? Morning. Every morning. When the sun comes up, when light shows up. One year ago, Friday, my best friend in the whole world, David McAllister, went home to be with the Lord way too early in life. He was only 59 years old. I was honored and also uh, very emotionally uh, put in charge of preaching most of his memorial service. And, uh, and that was tough to do. It was a really tough thing, seeing his, his family there, his uh, two boys and his daughter and their families, and then his wife who, you know, it's just, he's too young to die. It's just crazy. But at the memorial service, I brought out the fact that his death occurred Again, a year ago Friday, on the day of the winter solstice. The day of the winter solstice, which for us in the northern hemisphere is the darkest day of the year. But it's also a great day. It's a great day. Because it also means, and you know, here again, I'm going to talk scientific talk. I know you love this. But, but what's happening, the reason we're in the winter is because the earth has tilted as far as it can that way. It's wobbling, constantly wobbling back and forth, Okay. As it, as it rotates on its axis, it's wobbling. And the wobble on December 21st stops, and guess what's happening? It starts to tilt back the other way again. And what that means is the days immediately are already getting longer. And on a day that seemed so dark for that family and dark for me, honestly, a new light was dawning. A newer, longer days were ahead. Good things were coming. There's just around where a corner had been turned. In the Old Testament, light has the idea of life Happiness, joy, and prosperity tied to it. Um, and until recent history, light never had cold connotations to it at all. LEDs are cool because they don't put out too much heat, and, and that's great. But, but light usually always meant there was warmth associated with it. If you had a lamp or a candle or a fire burning, that would bring warmth in the dark times. If the sun was out, it brought warmth. And so it always had this idea of bringing something comforting, something to look forward to. 
Darkness may come in the natural sense. And we're okay with that because we understand that morning is still coming, right? Yeah. Can you imagine if all of a sudden it went into darkness and, that, and then that was it? And it, that would be, we would lose hope. We would be horrified by that. But we always, even though we know it's dark, we know that light is coming. And so, but darkness can also come in a spiritual sense. How many have experienced darkness in your life, even as a Christian? Yeah. We're okay, though, in the sense that we know that there's hope if we don't give up. And if we turn to the Lord, we receive that hope. We might get in situations that seem hopeless to us. Our finances might be wrecked. We're discouraged. Relationships, again, could get confusing. We think it's impossible. How will this work out? We have children who may walk away from the Lord or misbehave or do all kinds of things, get in, in trouble, and we, and we get desperate. There's misunderstandings. There's false accusations. Even our own sin can leave us in despair and in a form of darkness. But morning is always coming, church. Morning is always, there is, the, the, the tilt has stopped. You know, at some point it will stop, and the tilt will begin back the other direction, and the day will get longer. See the glow of the rising sun coming on your horizon of your life today in Jesus' name. Romans 13 uh, tells us exactly what I've just said. It says, the night is nearly over. Praise God. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So God is asking you and me today, do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Do you see me at work in your lives? Do you see clearly now? Hallelujah. Worship team, come on back up. You good? You ready for some longer days spiritually? You ready to bring some light into your situation? Listen, I know we all face tough stuff and dark things in our lives. But God has an answer for all that. I want to finish by saying this. The Bible says that if we have not confessed our sins and repented of our sins, that we are still living in darkness. That's what the Bible says. But the way to the light is... I hesitate to use this word. It's easy, actually. It is. It's, it's as easy as repenting, which means turning away from sin, and believing, which means you... you it starts with this. Do you believe that Jesus Christ lived on this planet, died on a cross, and rose from the dead. It starts with that simple of a thing. You say, well, I don't know if I fully believe everything about that. Well, listen, do you believe it a little bit? You could be like the man in the Bible who said, well, I believe, but help my unbelief. If you think, there, there must be something to it. Why would, why would a third of the planet's population be following this God if there was nothing to this resurrection? And so, so repent, the Bible says, and believe. Believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose on the third day. And then acknowledge, and this is the second half, and this is probably the hardest part, I think, for most, that we have to at some point acknowledge that He's in charge of our lives from now on. That He gets to take over, that, that I'm not going to run my own life anymore. That, that, and this is what, when we use the word Lord, this is exactly what we mean. We say that uh, when I talk to little kids about this, I'll say, that means Jesus is going to be your boss. And they exactly know what that means. But can I just tell you that when Jesus is your boss, when he's in charge of your life, your life is always better than when you're in charge. It's always better. Trust me when I say this. And so if we do those things, if we believe, we repent, we believe, and we trust him as Lord, the Bible says we will be saved. 
So I want to ask you all today, are there areas of darkness in your life that need to be eradicated? Are we having trouble finding our way? Are there things that are hidden and lost in our lives that need to be revealed? Is there a need for newfound hope or freedom in our life in some way? Then it's time to turn on the light in all these areas, whether you need to come to Jesus today or whether you need light in some other way. Let's stand together. Our God is the light. God says, do you see what I see? Do you see clearly now? Thank you for listening to Praise Center Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.